Luke chapter 17, in verse number 11. We'll be reading down through verse number 19. It says, And it came to pass, as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And we'll get, to, we'll get to that here in a second. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off from the city. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed from their leprosy. And one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save, save this, except this one stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So we'll begin to this story here in the next couple of minutes. This is a great story. Hopefully you guys have heard it before. If not, that's totally fine because we're going to talk about that this morning. And uh, we'll be talking about a couple of things. And I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, we'll, so we're taking the next couple of weeks to talk about being thankful and talking about uh, gratitude and how we can live uh, with thankful hearts and thankful minds uh, and thankful attitudes in the next couple of months and really throughout our life. And so just to put this in context, one of the things about thankfulness and, and the way we live in America right now, we live in the most prosperous nation in the world, uh, one of the most prosperous nations in the world, in the best time to live. Right now is the best era to live out of any other time to live. We have uh, the most luxuries, we have the most comfort, we have the highest income, we have the most technology. Uh, middle class poor people today live better than Kings did 100 years ago, 150 years ago. Life is actually pretty amazing to live right now. We can fly really anywhere in the entire world in a matter of hours. You can go across the world in hours. Today is the best time to live. There is no other time to live. We live in safety. We live in freedom, which quite frankly is, is a novel idea when you look at the span of human history. Living in safety that didn't happen too often up until a couple hundred years ago. Living uh, with freedom, like as in rights, that was not something people had even three, four hundred years ago. So this is, this is an amazing, in the life expectancy that we have nowadays is just, it's the best it's ever been. And the amount of money and income and luxuries we have, again, it's the best time to live in history. Yet somehow, we still live unhappy sometimes. Yet somehow, we still are not always thankful. Why? I mean, you, you, I don't need to really tell you this. Just go out shopping Thursday night after Thanksgiving. Isn't it amazing how much we can have as Americans and as humans? We can have, like, we have a bunch of stuff. We have, I mean, I don't even know how to go through the whole list. We have bunches and bunches of stuff. But we're still unhappy about all the stuff that we have. So if you go out Black Friday shopping, or if you go, you're one of those people that camps out the night before at Best Buy, and it, you're one of those that goes in the long line, you have the tent set up, and it looks like a refugee camp outside of Best Buy. It's just incredible if you go Black Friday shopping, and if you're in a Walmart or you're someplace, and right when the doors open, and you're going to see it on the news the next day, someone getting trampled, someone getting breaking a leg, someone breaking a finger, breaking something, someone getting beat up, someone getting run over by another human because they're trying to get more stuff. 
so that they can get a, a blender or a food processor 25% off, they're going to trample someone. This is just, this is how we, we, we have all bunches of stuff, and yet we still somehow don't have enough. I was, I'd wager right now, most of the things you got for Christmas this past year, you probably can't remember what you got. Chalk it up to bad memory, but chalk it up to just, we always get tons of stuff as humans. We're always getting more stuff, and you can't remember. And yet somehow, even though we can't even remember what the stuff we got last Christmas, we are expecting and hoping and waiting to get more stuff this Christmas so we can forget about that and get more stuff the Christmas after that. That's just the human condition. Somehow in the midst of all of this stuff that we have, we're still not happy. And we're still not really always thankful. Why is that? That's what we're talking about this morning. And that's really what our story is about. Is how is it? How do we become unhappy when we have so much stuff? And how do we live with gratitude and thankfulness for all the stuff that we do have? How do we live that kind of life? So our story in Luke 17 places us on the road with Jesus and the disciples traveling from city to city, trying to give the gospel, trying to preach to people, trying to help people. And, and uh, Jesus is up in the Sea of Galilee. And I wish I had a map right now I'd show you. He's up in the Sea of Galilee, that region, and he's traveling south to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is south. And to, between uh, Galilee and Jerusalem, there's this uh, Samaria, this, this Samaritan region where, where you'd have to travel through. Today, that would be uh, the West Bank region of Israel. This is where he was traveling from. As he was traveling south to get to Jerusalem, he's passing through one of these cities in Samaria, and uh, he, he's about to enter this city. And while he's entering this city, uh, some people see him. The Bible says there's 10 lepers. 10 lepers see him outside of the city. So this is important. Lepers were, were people, individuals who had the disease leprosy. In the ancient world, this is, this is a scourge of the ancient world. This is a horrible, debilitating disease in the ancient world. They had really no treatment for it. And uh, so leprosy, is, is, is just a, it was a horrible, horrible disease. Leprosy was, uh, it was a bacterial disease that affects the nerves, the skin, uh, the respiratory tract, uh, your eyes, and your, your limbs. It was, it was a feared disease because it, um, it caused disfigurement, it caused loss of limbs, it caused blindness, you could lose appendages. Uh, it's a bacterial disease that causes you, uh, and, and this is important to the message, so, so stay with me here. This is, it was a disease that, uh, that, that affected your, your nerves uh, on the coldest parts of your body. So uh, say on your limbs or uh, on your fingers, on your face, uh, it, the, the leprosy would, uh, would deaden your nerves. It would, kind of, it would kind of deaden the nerves so that You'd, uh, you'd eventually lose limbs because of it, not necessarily because of the disease itself, but if you couldn't feel anything, you, you lose pain sensation on, say, your fingers, well, then you can jam a finger, you can cut a finger, you can get a finger uh, broken and not even know it because they couldn't feel it. And so as a result of getting broken or cut or whatever, they didn't have ways to clean wounds as well as we do now, so it would get infected. infected. And if it got infected, you'd have to cut that finger off or it would eventually kind of fall off. Or uh, On your eyes, uh, it would affect your eyelids. So uh, because your eyelids really really thin piece of skin, it would kind of deaden those nerves so you couldn't move your eyelids anymore, which would cause your eyes to dry out, debris to get in your eyes, and you'd slowly go blind. So this, is, this, was, this was leprosy. This is what leprosy was. Bad, bad disease, a scourge of, of the ancient world. Uh, and because it, was, it had this, you, people were disfigured. It was just a bad disease to have. People shunned them. And uh, the reason Jesus sees them outside of the city and not in the city, as he's walking into the city, he doesn't see them in the city. He says they were far off. 
Well, this is because in the ancient world and in the Bible, you see in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, God mandated that anybody who uh, was diagnosed by a priest, because priests were the ones who diagnosed this disease, if a priest diagnosed you with leprosy, this debilitating disease, they would uh, make you live outside of the city away from, away from everybody so that it wouldn't spread because uh, leprosy, uh, it's spread by uh, physical contact and the respiratory tract. So you sneeze on someone, blow on someone, someone gets mucus in someone else. That's how you, if you're susceptible to get it, that's how you're going to get it. And so they had to live apart from society. They didn't know this at the time. Obviously, God did. That's why he set out these rules in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. If you want to geek out on this later on, go to Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. Really interesting to read those two chapters. There's a lot of symbolism in it, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But it's really interesting the way God knew about all these diseases before anybody else did, and he set up precautions for the people so that they wouldn't, it wouldn't spread any more than it had to. So these people would live outside of the city, sometimes in leper colonies, sometimes in isolation. And you didn't have to be necessarily an adult to get it. You could be a child and get it. So they were living outside. It was a very, very horrible way to live because they're living outside the city, away from all the people, isolated, lonely. And if anybody was to see them coming, say someone from the city was to, was to walk near them, uh, the Bible says that it was a law that people that had leprosy had to shout out to the people that were getting close to them, unclean, unclean. That way the people that were traveling near them knew to stay away because this person had leprosy and you didn't want to get it. So these people not only were uh, ostracized from society so that the society wouldn't get infected with it, they also had to tell people, yell out to people that they were unclean. And so these lepers who are far off, they see Jesus, who is known for healing people, curing diseases, and, and raising people from the dead. This is like winning the lottery for these 10 lepers. This is like, this is huge. You see the one man that can change their situation, the one man that can kind of reintegrate them into society and heal them, this is, this, is, this is literally like winning the lottery. So they, they shout into this guy. They're shouting to Jesus, hey, come over here, heal us. And they say to Jesus, have mercy on us. You've got to help us. Uh, so you can imagine when the 10 lepers spotted Jesus, they're, they're, wanting to get, they're wanting to get his attention. And Jesus, he sees them. He makes eye contact with them. And you know Jesus in, in the, these gospels. You know the story of Jesus. He's always healing people. He loved healing people. And so I can imagine, it doesn't say in the Bible, I can imagine Jesus looks at them and maybe tears well up in his eyes because he just has compassion for people. He understands the pain they're going through and the circumstances that they're in. And he sees the loneliness that they fight with on a daily basis because they're away from society and their family and everybody. So he says to them, he doesn't say you're healed to the 10 lepers. He says to the 10 lepers, the lepers he says, go to the priest and tell him. Why would he do that, right? Why would he, go, why would he say that to the 10 lepers? The 10 lepers, if I was a leper and I here to see Jesus, I would want him to say, you're cleansed, go on your way. So he says to them, go see the priest. Here's why. The priest was the only one that could tell that a person was whole. He was the only one with the authority to say, this person is healed from his leprosy. In Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, I'm going to geek out a little bit again on you guys. The, 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 the law stated that if someone somehow me, uh, was cured from leprosy, some, somehow they got better, they cured themselves, they started whatever, they were healed, that person with leprosy, they would go to the priest, and that priest would inspect them, inspect their body, and he'd say, okay, it looks like you're clean. It looks like you don't have leprosy anymore. What they did, what the law stated, was that they had to take that person, put him in isolation for seven days, in a room by himself to kind of monitor him to see how his health is doing. And after that seven days, he would come back out. The priest would look at him again to see if, in fact, the disease was completely gone. And then if it was gone, he'd say to that person, okay, 
I need you to stand right here. And he would take two birds, the priest would, he'd take two birds, he'd kill one, and he'd drain the blood of that one in an earthen vessel, the Bible says. A vessel made out of, out of stone or clay or rock or granite or something. He'd put all the blood in that from the one bird. He'd take the live bird, and he would dip the live bird in that blood, and he would let the live bird go. And then he would take the rest of that blood, and he'd sprinkle it over the, the, the man who's healed, the leper is now healed. He'd sprinkle it over his head, and he'd say, now you can reintegrate into society. So when Jesus is saying to the lepers, go to the priest, he's essentially saying to the lepers, go to the priest in faith because you're going to be healed. That's what he's essentially saying. Go to the priest because the priest is going to inspect you and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be healed. So they, they, I can imagine they were probably had mixed feelings. They go to the priest and they're, they're traveling to the priest. And as they're traveling to the priest, the Bible says that as they're traveling to the priest, they notice that they're healed from their leprosy. And this is just amazing. You use your imagination for this. You imagine as they're walking to the priest and they're being healed literally in real time before their eyes. You can see maybe they had limbs and maybe the limbs were coming back. Maybe they were blind and they were being led by another leper, but their eyesight comes back and you can imagine they can't feel anything in their arms and legs and it's been like that for years. Now all of a sudden they can feel and have sensation. They can feel pain and they can feel something touch them. They can can feel the wind. All of a sudden in real time as they're traveling to the priest, things are getting well. They can see their body healing. Here's what happens. As they're walking to the priest, or maybe now running to the priest, and they see that they're healed, nine of them continue going. But there's one, there's one of the priests that he sees what's happening to his body, and he stops. He sees the miracle that's literally happening in real time to him, and he stops. Look at 17, uh, verse number 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God. You see, instead of continuing on his way with the nine other lepers, he stops what he's doing, he looks back at Jesus, and he says, thank you. He drops down the ground, he glorifies him. He, uh, the Bible says, with a loud voice, voice, he glorifies him. He's thanking God. This is such an important principle for us today. Sometimes we need to stop, look back on what God has done for us, and give thanks. This is such an important principle because this is why we're so unhappy all the time. This is why so many times life doesn't feel like it's enough. Like it's just like we're just, we don't have, like it's just, we're not, none of it's making us happy because sometimes we need to stop, look back at how much God has given us and give him thanks for what he's done. Give him thanks for how much he's given us. He had his whole life in front of him. But instead of rushing to see the priest, he stops and thanks God. He stops, he looks back, and he thanks God for what. How many times do we stop, look at our life, look back at what we've been given, how much we have, and say, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you've given to me. See, this is what this, this, is what this healed leper, these 10 lepers had been given a second chance at life, and only one of them looked back and thanked God. 10 of these individuals had a second chance at life. And only one of them thought to give thanks to Jesus Christ. I'm sure they were all thankful in their heart, and they're all thankful in their mind as they're traveling to the priest, but only one of the lepers actually stopped and thanked God with his voice, thanked God and did something with his action to show gratitude. We receive so many gifts from God, and we forget to look back and thank him for those gifts. 
You ever, you ever, maybe you've seen a child like this. Obviously, if you guys have kids, your children would never do this. But maybe you've seen a child at Christmas time or on their birthday. It's the most irritating thing. If they get, you see a child, they get all these gifts. And maybe it's on Christmas. They get all these gifts from all the family members. And the child never says thank you. And you're like wondering to yourself, you like automatically judge the kid, right? I remember seeing this as a kid growing up. The kid would never say thank you, and the parents never made them say thank you. And so I was thinking as a kid, I'm like, man, he's kind of a chump. I don't know if I use the word chump, but he's kind of a brat. I can't believe this kid's not giving thanks for the stuff he's just been given. He's gotten a whole box of Legos, what I wouldn't do to get a box of Legos as an you know, eight-year-old, and this kid's not saying thank you. Yet so many times we do the same thing as adults. As Christians, we do the same thing. God's given us all of these things, and we never stop to say Thank you. We never stop to say, God, you gave me that spouse. You gave me those children. You gave me that vehicle. You gave me everything I have. Thank you so much. Every good thing we have in this life is from Jesus Christ. Every good thing you have, your children, your job, the food in your pantry, the air you breathe, the car you drive, the house that you live in, everything that you have is a gift from Jesus Christ. If it's good and it's in your life, it's a gift from God. Look at James chapter 1. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, from God, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. How often do we look and reflect on all the good things in our life and thank God for those things? So you have this piece of paper with you this morning. We're going to do a little, a little, quick, little, a little quick little thing here. So I want you to take out this piece of paper. Hopefully you have a pen with you. I'll give you a second to get that. All right, you guys ready? So what we're going to do is we're going to take the next 30 seconds, maybe a minute, and you're going to write, don't, don't start yet, don't start yet. We're going to write down as quick as you can all the things you're thankful for. All the things you could be thankful for in your life. I know some of you guys, I'm going to see steam coming out of your head here in a couple seconds, trying to think of all the things you can be thankful for. I want you, don't start yet. Don't start, don't cheat, don't cheat. There's no, no prizes for this. And we're going to start for 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Write down as many things as you can. You can, you can use your phone, you can Google if you need to. You can Google things to be thankful for if you can't think of anything. All right, you ready? On your mark, you set, go. <clears throat> so you've written down all of these things that you're thankful for. If we were to take five minutes, we could list hundreds of things that we're thankful for. Hundreds of things that in our life are just, these things are, these are amazing things. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, this is, everybody has this. This isn't really that important. Why do I need to be thankful for this stuff? This isn't really that, gr- I mean, okay, fine, yeah. But, but imagine yourself, you say, oh, why do I need to be thankful for this stuff? Now imagine this list. Imagine all of these things on your list were taken from you. How would that affect your life? That's why we should be thankful. Because these things Right now, we think, oh, these aren't important things. Family, okay, they just make me mad. But imagine without a family. Friends, imagine without friends. A wife, imagine without a wife. Imagine without a husband. Imagine without a brother. Imagine without food. Imagine you didn't have a car. Imagine you didn't have an apartment to live in. Imagine you didn't have a TV. That'd be bad. Imagine if you didn't have Netflix. That'd be very bad too. Imagine if you didn't have your Bible. Imagine if you didn't have salvation. Imagine if you didn't have your car. All of these things that we take for granted, God is saying, I gave you those things. And if you didn't have those things, your life would not be the same without those. I gave you those things. Why are we not thankful for those things? Especially if you're a believer. Especially if you consider yourself saved by Jesus Christ. Especially if you'd say this morning, I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. I consider myself a Christian. We have more things to be thankful for as a believer. No one has more reason to be thankful than we do. 
The story of these lepers, you see, the story of these lepers isn't just their story. It's our story. You see, the story of these lepers, you say, why should I be thankful? Because we were those lepers. We were the ones who didn't have leprosy, the disease. We had the leprosy of our soul. We had the sin nature. We had sinfulness in our heart. We were the lepers in this story. This is a metaphor for us. This is a metaphor for anyone who considers himself a follower of Jesus Christ. We were the lepers. We had the leprosy of our soul. Jesus took that leprosy. And this is this story. We have more to be thankful for than these lepers even do because Jesus didn't just heal us like he healed the lepers. He didn't just heal the lepers. He didn't just heal us. He took our sin and placed it on himself. You see, in the story, he just healed the lepers. He just said, go to the priest, you're healed. In our story, your story, my story, Jesus didn't just heal us. He took the leprosy of our soul and he placed it on on himself. He placed the leprosy of our soul and put it on himself. He died for our sin. He didn't just heal our leprosy. He became a leper. He didn't just take our sin from us. He became our sin for us. You see this in, in 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul states it. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. He became sin for us. He didn't just pay for our sin. He became sin. He took the sin and he put it upon himself who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sinfulness. He sees Jesus' righteousness. When he looks at you, he doesn't see the leprosy of your soul. He sees the wholeness of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus, that's what God sees when he looks at your soul. Anybody who's a believer of Jesus Christ, we have more reason to be thankful than anybody else on earth because of what Jesus has done for us. Now we can stand before God like the lepers. They had to say when they stood before people, they had to say unclean, unclean. Now when we stand before God, we don't have to say unclean. When we stand before Jesus Christ one day, we don't have to say that we're unclean. We can say that we are made whole in Jesus Christ because of what Jesus has done for us. You remember when I was telling you he killed the two birds and he took the the one that was killed or he killed one bird. He took the one that was killed. He drained its blood in an earthen vessel and then he took the live bird, dipped it in the blood and he let it go. That's a picture of Jesus. That's a picture of what Jesus did for us. He was the one bird that was killed for us. His blood drained on an earthen vessel in this earth, and we were the bird that was able to be dipped in his blood and now are made free. That's a picture of us. It's a picture of we who have been saved. And then when that priest took the blood that was remaining and sprinkled it on the head of that leper who had been made whole, that's also a picture of us. That's a picture of Jesus being uh, his blood being shed for us, and we are washed by his blood, are, are made new and whole from his blood. You see this in Ephesians chapter 1. Look, the Bible says, in whom we have, Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood. It's through his blood that we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see, this is our story. The story of these lepers, this is our story. It's a story of how Jesus came to us. He took the the disease of sin that was in our heart and in our soul, and he, he paid for it with his own life. He paid for it with his own blood. If we could find nothing else to be thankful for in our life, this would be enough. You see, when I look back and give thanks for what Jesus did for me and how he he continues to give me more than what I deserve, that is the attitude I need. And that's the attitude, paradoxically, that will give me happiness in life, that will give me gratitude in life. Let me encourage you this morning. Take time to give thanks for what you have. Make a list of all the good things you have right now in your life. Look at, look at Luke chapter 17, verse number 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. You ever wonder why the other lepers didn't show thanks? You, you wonder why the other nine lepers, only one 
decided to turn back and give thanks to Jesus? Why, did the, why was it the other nine lepers had given a new lease on life, a miracle literally happening in front of them, in their own body, they could feel a miracle happening, and they don't turn back to give thanks? Was it because they weren't thankful? Probably not. They were probably thankful in their mind and in their heart. They were, they were thankful for what Jesus had done for them. So why didn't they go back and tell Jesus that? Why is it that they went on the, why is it that they didn't tell Jesus, thank you so much for, here's why. Probably because they were so consumed with going to the priest and being declared made whole. They were so consumed with what they had to do next. They were so consumed with the seven days that they were going to have to spend in isolation away from people before they could meet their families again. They were so consumed with the things they had to do and the, the things they had to, uh, places they had to be and the, the, the family they wanted to reintegrate uh, into and they, the things that they had to, maybe they had to pay bills or they were back late and they had to, they had to get new clothes, they had to get a place to live. They were, they were so concerned with, with the future. They were so concerned with the next step in their life that they didn't think to stop, to look back and to give thanks to Jesus. It might be that all the nine lepers could think about or care about was going to the priest and getting their life situated. All they cared about was their next step. Sometimes we are not thankful for what we have because we're so wrapped up in the next thing we need to get to, the next place we need to go, the next schedule thing that we need to mark off of our list. What's the point? What's the point of this? When we don't take time to stop and thank God for the things he's given us, we can't live in the present. When we, when we don't take time to stop and, and, and look back at our life, look at where we are and say, God, thank you so much for everything that's in my life. We, when we don't do that, we can't live in the present. We can live in the future, we can live in the past, but we can't live in the present. You see, when I'm so concerned about what needs to get done, I can't be thankful for what is done. When I'm so concerned about what needs to, what needs to happen next, I can't be thankful for what's happening right now. When I'm so worried about the way she used to look in the past, I can't be thankful for the way she looks right now. I, when I'm so concerned about the house I want to have in the future, I can't be thankful for the place that God's given me now. When, I can't, when all I can think about is the car that I used to have in the past, but because of all these things in my life I don't have anymore, I can't be thankful for the transportation God's given me now. You see, when, we, when we're not stopping and thanking God for what we have now, we cannot live in the present. We live in the future or the past, but not the present. See, what we wish to have in the future keeps us from enjoying what we already have in the present. You see, you ever had um, a situation, and, and this happens, uh, admittedly, my wife's not in here, it happens to my wife more often than it happens to me, uh, is, is we're about to leave the house. And... Um, you know how, you guys know how it goes. You're about to leave the house and, and you, you, you got to grab your keys. You got to grab your cell phone, obviously. You got to grab uh, your sunglasses. You got to grab some stuff before you leave. And uh, one of the things that uh, we're always, always trying to find as we leave the house is our car keys. And, 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 or if it's not the car keys, it's your phone, right? You never find your phone. You're always getting mad about your phone. So when we have this, we have this going on, we're trying to look for our phone. Has it ever happened to you where you're trying to look for your phone and you're looking for your car keys and you're looking all over the house and you're starting to get mad at everybody, starting to be put in a bad mood, and uh, you notice after a couple minutes of looking for whatever that item was that it's in your hand or it's in your pocket the whole time, the whole time you actually had it, you had the sunglasses in your, on your head or you had the, the phone in your pocket, you had the keys literally in your hand as you're looking for the keys and it was there the whole time. That's what Jesus is trying to say. That's what these nine lepers, that's what they're going through is they have, they have what they want already in their hands, but they couldn't see it. 
because they were so busy looking everywhere else. They were so busy looking at what needed to happen next. They were so busy looking at where they needed to go next, the people they needed to talk to later, the things that needed to happen in their life next, things that needed to happen in their schedule next week. They could not see that what they really wanted was already there in their hand and in their life. And this is the problem with, 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 with sometimes why we don't give thankfulness, why we don't give gratitude to Jesus Christ, because we're always looking for the next thing when we don't realize that God is already, he wants, us to, he wants us to be thankful for and enjoy what he's already given us, what he's given us right now. And you see, when we're so concerned about then, or we're so concerned about uh, that back then, back there, we can't enjoy what we already have. We can live in the present or live in the future and the past, but not the present. You see, this can affect any part of our life, from our marriage to our income to our body to our TV. It can happen to literally anything. We can't enjoy the things God's given us because we are always concerned about the next best, best thing. God's saying that when you stop and give thanks, you're able to enjoy and live in the moment I have given you now. You can enjoy the things that I've given you today. You can enjoy the family that I've given you in this season of your life. You can give thanks for the one million things you already have. We don't need to be so concerned about what we don't have. Let's thank Jesus for what he has given us. You see, it's Ephesians chapter 5, giving thanks always. It's not when you get the next thing. Give thanks now. Give thanks for all things. Not when you get the next version. When you have this version, give thanks for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, whatever you have, whatever you don't have, give thanks to God for it. This brings us, this brings us back to our one leper. Why is this, why is this so important? Look at, look at Luke chapter 17, verse number 15 and 16. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, so we're back to the one leper, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet. Whose feet? His feet? No, he's not talking about his own feet. He's talking about Jesus' feet. So this is the picture that's going on here. This is an important one. This is an important distinction. The 10 lepers, they're, they're leaving to go, uh, to go get, to the, get to the priest and declared whole again. This is going to be an eight-day process after it's all said and done. Except this one leper, he says, he says, thank you, God. He turns back. He says, thank you, God. And the Bible says he fell down on, Jesus's, uh, on his face at Jesus' feet. Why? What is this implying? That wherever he was, the leper didn't just look back. Because he was thanking God, he started traveling and moving back to Jesus. It wasn't just that he looked back and said, eh, thanks, thanks, Jesus, peace. It was actually, he looked back, he said, thank you, Jesus. He starts traveling back to Jesus. He gets down on his face at Jesus' feet, and he gives glory to, to Jesus. What's the point? The point is, is that when you are constantly and uh, consistently giving thanks to God, you will travel closer to Jesus Christ. When you are giving thanks to Jesus Christ consistently and on a daily basis, your relationship with Jesus Christ is going to get closer. You're going to travel. The Bible says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. When we, when we thank Jesus Christ daily, thanking him for the things that we have in our life, you're going to find that relationship that you have with Jesus Christ is going to get closer. It's going to get better. It's going to get uh, more effective. You see, this is, what, this, is, this is the whole point of this story is that thankfulness, it doesn't just make us happy. It doesn't just give us a great outlook on life. It brings you closer to Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate point of this, is that thankfulness moves me closer to Jesus Christ. That's why this is so important. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 107, uh, verse number one, oh, give, this is David speaking, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. 
You see, when the one leper stopped and turned back in gratitude, he was showing that he didn't just care about what Jesus had given him. He cared about Jesus himself. He was showing that it wasn't just what Jesus could do for him that was important. It was who Jesus was that was important to him. It is those who thank God and find him in even the small things. Those are the ones who know him the best. You see, when we live a life of gratitude, when we make it part of our life to give thanks for what we've been given, you'll find that the more you give thanks, the closer you'll be to Jesus. The heart of gratitude is to thank God, not just for what he has done, but for who he is. That's why David was able to say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? What, what was he thankful for? For all the stuff Jesus had given him? For all the stuff God had allowed him to have? For all the, the, stu- the, the things that he had allowed, all the toys and trees? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. He isn't thanking God for something God had given him. He is thanking God for being God. He is thanking God for being good. He's thanking God for being merciful. And this is the heart of gratitude, is that we aren't just grateful for the things God's given us. We're grateful for who God is. We're thankful for who uh, Jesus is. You see, thankfulness Thankfulness is a decision to interpret the things you've been given as more than just things, but as mementos, as symbols of God's love for you. You see, this is the heart of gratitude. This is, this is the core of gratitude, is seeing the things that we have in our life and seeing those things not just as, uh, not just as something that God gave me, but as a symbol of how God feels about me. It's a symbol of God's love for me. It's a memento of God's love for me. So a couple of years ago on Valentine's Day, and if you're a guy and you're not really smart and you're like me, um, you don't really know what to get all the time for Valentine's Day, if you even remember. My wife just walked in. I do remember. I promise. I remember every single Valentine's Day. And so I'm always trying to rack my brain. You know, instead of getting the, 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 the typical ones, perfume, purse, Eyeliner, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to get, but the typical ones, I don't know what to get. And so on this particular Valentine's Day a couple years ago, uh, my wife gave me a Valentine's Day gift, and uh, it was a bookmark. You know, I was, I was, you know, I like reading, and I have a lot of books, so you can never have enough bookmarks, especially, especially if you're the kind of person who likes to read a lot of different books at one time. I like doing that, and so I need a lot of bookmarks. You can never have enough bookmarks. I thought, cool, great, have another bookmark. It was a nice leather one. It was cool, you know. I was like, okay, cool. Then she got this at some store, and, and, and I didn't realize uh, at the time, now I look back and I'm thinking, man, that was really stupid of me. I noticed at the time my wife got a little, little huffy with me afterwards, a little grumpy because, uh, I, you know, I guess I didn't show that I appreciated it more. But it was really more than that because on the back of that bookmark, it was a leather bookmark, I didn't realize that there was numbers on, on the back of that bookmark. And these numbers were important because they, they, uh, they were uh, latitude and longitude, the numbers. And this was on Valentine's Day. What I was supposed to do, if I was a good, thoughtful husband, I was supposed to say, oh, what are these numbers for? And she would say, oh, I don't know. You should look it up online what those numbers are. And I would look it up online. If I had looked it up online, what those numbers represented, it would have led me on Google Maps to the latitude and longitude of the first Valentine's Day spot that we spent together. My bad, right? I didn't know that. I didn't see that coming. I thought, this is a bookmark. It's a cool bookmark. Okay, let's go to the next present. I didn't realize that there was much more to that bookmark than I thought or realized. 
We do that all the time. God's given us a million little gifts, a million big gifts all the time. We say, oh, this is cool. We have this thing. Now what's on to the next one? Without realizing that that gift that God gave us is not just a gift that he gave you. It has meaning behind it. There's something God's trying to communicate with us when he's giving us these things. He doesn't give, give you a gift because he just, he's like, he just wants to spoil you, although he, he probably does. He's giving you these gifts because he's trying to tell you something in these gifts. There's a message in these gifts. They symbolize something. They're a memento. They have much more meaning than just the matter of the thing. They have more meaning to it than we think. It is God trying to tell us, I love you. I am here for you. I've given you this for a purpose. I've given you this because I care about you. I'm giving you this as an expression that I died for you. That's what these things mean. Every time you get something in life, anytime you consider something that's good in your life, that's a gift from God that he gave to you because he's trying to tell you that he loves you, he cares about you, he is there for you. You see, every gift, that's why gratefulness, that's why thankfulness is so important in life. Because when we don't have thankfulness in our life, well, of course we're not going to be happy. We take everything for granted. You see, when we realize that thankfulness, the things that God's given us, they have so much more meaning to them than we realize. That's when we'll live with contentment. See, when we recognize that the things we have are not just given to us by God arbitrarily, but they're symbols of his love for us we'll have no problem being thankful for whatever we have or whatever we don't have. Because regardless of what we do or don't have, what we have in this moment is a gift from God because he loves us. That's when gratitude stops being work and it starts being worship. We have to decide which one do we rather have.